0: And here in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus, after he goes through his temptation, and he gets led up into the Spirit, it's the same by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's the same thing. It's very significant that you read this because, in the same way that Satan tempts Jesus, he tempts us. He'll offer you everything in this life that would deter you from the will of God in your life. And a lot of people jump on the bait. That is worshiping Satan. You don't have to go to church to, I mean, if how many people believe that you got to go to church to worship God? Everybody believes that, but a lot of people will say to you, I don't have to go to church to worship God. Well, in the same fact that yes, you don't have to go to church to worship the Lord, even though He commands us to come to church, right? You can be a Worshiper of Satan by doing his will outside a church in the same way. As a matter of fact, that it'll probably lead you away. One leads you to church, one leads you away, but, but it leads you away, when I say away from the church, I'm saying away from the will of God. Not from just coming to church, I'm saying, but from your relationship with God. One leads you to God, one leads you away from God. So it's very, it's very critical that we all read this and we all understand about the temptation of Christ so that you can understand that you too are going to be tempted. Now, I remember I was saying I was an on-fire Christian, on-fire for God. I was just recently saved. And I remember going to my pastor, Pastor John Hutchison, back in the day. He's dead and gone now. And with the Lord... And decades ago, I said, I I can remember, man, I felt so good. Christ was right next to me. I was different. I was changed. I knew I was a Christian and I didn't even know what a Christian really was because I never read the Bible, wasn't taken to church, any of that. But I knew that I was completely different. Well, one day I felt horrible spiritually. I went from being on top of the world to being down at the very bottom of the barrel. And it felt like I wasn't saved And all these crazy thoughts kept coming into my mind. I'm like, okay, for a month now, two weeks now, this hasn't been going on. So I went to my pastor. I said, listen, this is what's going on with me. I said, am I saved? Did did I do something wrong? He looked at me and he said something that I've told to many people. He said, well, I'm glad to hear that. He said, I'm glad to hear that tells me that you're for real. He goes, because Satan doesn't try to win who already belongs to him. He goes, and when you get taken out of Satan's hands and you give your life to Jesus Christ and He comes into your heart, then Satan does everything he can do to get you back. And he'll lead you into temptation. And that's exactly what began to happen to me. Once I understood that, it was an amazing thing. Once he told me that, I was literally standing in the church. He told me that and it lifted off of me. And I felt, I, once I got knowledge and understood and could place faith in something, whew, Satan left. And I was no longer feeling oppressed in the spirit. Well, Jesus had just went through that and he comes here in into Galilee. And this is what it says. And I'm going to read this to you and we're going to get right into the service. So in, in, in Luke chapter 4, 17 through 21, this is what it says. <clears throat> then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. I love that. When you're saved, you get filled with the power of God. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region, and he taught regularly in their synagogues and was and was praised by everyone when he came to the village of Nazareth his boyhood home very important he went as usual to the synagogue on the sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures the scroll of isaiah the prophet was handed to him now a scroll a scroll was typically on two sticks and it was papyrus It was papyrus that had been sewn together. Some scrolls could be just a few feet long. Isaiah could have been 30 feet long. So these scrolls could have been that big around, you know, and you would have to roll it, roll one end and roll the other in order to roll it to the page that you wanted. And a lot of times it was even written on the back. And that's how big this was. So Jesus, who knows how long it took him to roll the scroll to where it needed to be. And then he got the scroll to the point of Isaiah in the 61st chapter. And he began to read. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Did you do you remember where I just read that he went to the synagogue Filled with the Spirit's power. Do you remember I just read that? Do you remember I just told you that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart? You are filled. Listen to me very close, very carefully. When you get saved, you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. What kind of power is that power? That's the power to change things. Not your power. His power. It's not you that does the work. Always give God the praise and God the glory for anything that you do because it is by the power of the Spirit within you that God does His work. It's not me that's preaching to you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that called me to do this. It's His power that woke me up and got me here today to stand up before you and read the Word of God and preach the message It's the power of the Holy Spirit that saves a soul and changes a person. When you have faith and express faith in Him, God invades your heart and changes you. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that people are healed of all different kinds of ailments and diseases. It is by His power that these things are done. Not by a preacher. Not by a person. But by the Holy Spirit. We can either help that to happen by expressing faith or we can negate it by trying to do things in and of our own self and not walking in faith when you walk in faith you are accessing the power of the spirit inside of you when you express faith in god and you pray to god and you place faith in what you're praying for and you turn it over to god you are accessing the power of the holy spirit It's by that same power that God said, let there be light, and the sun appeared. It's by that same power that God formed every single thing on this planet by His spoken word. It's that power that rests within you. Now you can see how far down you live from where you potentially could. Normal Christianity should be every day walking in the power of the Lord. That should be everyday Christianity. But listen what this says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For He has, listen, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it to the attendant, and he sat down. The typical way that the Word of God was treated in the synagogues in Jesus' day is that when the Word was read, you were standing up. We ought to practice that. And when the Word was done being read, you sat down. And then the preacher, the prophet, the speaker, would take a seat. And it was when he was seated that he was in power to preach. The Word of God was respected by everyone standing when it was read. And then you sat and you preached the Word. And when he had sat down, and everyone in the synagogue was looking at him intently, He began to speak to them. The Scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Now the interesting thing about this that we're going to talk about is why didn't they believe it? Father in Heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. And we ask Your guidance and leadership on the Word, Lord, and ask You to anoint us that we could speak it, Lord in power and in clarity, Lord God, as You would give it to us. Lord, we thank You. We thank You for giving us the Word that we could learn by it, God. And we could live by it. Guide us and lead us now into it, Lord, we pray. And we ask Your favor to be with us this day. In Christ Jesus' name, Amen. The words that Jesus was reading out of Isaiah 61 was in reference to something that was going on in Isaiah's day, but also was being used to reference the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah's words pictured the deliverance of Israel from exile in Babylon. It was a year of jubilee when all debts were canceled, all slaves were freed, and all property returned to its original owners. And you'll find that in Leviticus chapter 25. That's what Isaiah was prophesying. Can you imagine a day when all debts were canceled? That was the year of Jubilee. If you owed a debt, it was forgiven you. If you were a slave or being held in bondage, you were released. And if someone had taken your property, it was given back in the year of Jubilee. So we're, getting, we're starting to see a picture here. This release though that was happened in Babylon didn't give the Jews what they had expected. They were still a, a conquered and an oppressed people. And Isaiah was prophesying about the Messianic Age. A time when one would come. The Anointed One. In the Spirit of the Lord. To preach the good news to the poor. Freedom from prison, for prisoners. And the recovery of sight to the blind. And the good news to the poor. And to proclaim the Lord's favor. The passage offered great expectations to an oppressed people. But this isn't what he was talking about. If you'll take a look carefully in Isaiah's prophecy... It takes a look at physical things that was happening to the people. Getting your land back. Being freed from prison. Right? It was a jubilee. Your debts canceled. But when Jesus came, when Messiah would come, let's take a look at this in a different way, in a more spiritual way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God has anointed Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. When Christ came, He wrapped Himself in flesh. One of the reasons why He did that, and I've told you this before, is because God can't die. Jesus had to put on flesh so He could lay His life down. The next reason that He had to do this is He had to become like you and me so that He could experience everything that you experience and overcome it to be your Savior. A perfect Lamb of God without blemish, white and pure. No sin at all was upon Him. And another reason that He came was that He was wrapped in flesh and was given the power of the Holy Spirit to show you that you can do it just the same way that He did it. That even though you're wrapped in human flesh, you can still be obedient to God and work in the power of the Holy Spirit. That you can do this. That you can make it. That you don't have to live under the spiritual oppression of Satan. But when we look at this in a different way, He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Anointed means you're the picked one. You're the chosen one. God has chosen you and has anointed you. The scripture says, by the power of the anointing, the yoke is broke. The yoke of what? The yoke, if you're from the country, you'll understand that it's a yoke that they put around a horse's neck that ties him to the wagon and puts him in bondage. He can't move. When, when Satan is your master before you're saved, you are yoked by the devil in the devil's yoke. It's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke off of the, off of the person's spiritual neck, if you will, and frees you from the power of the devil. It's where freedom comes. It's from the anointing. So when you've got a preacher that stands up that's not called by God, there is no anointing on that preacher to speak the word. That's why you've got to be a preacher to stand in this pulpit. I don't just let anybody stand up here. You gotta be, you need to be called by God. The anointing, God must have chosen you. And only you know that, and God knows that but it will be revealed to other people with the anointing. I can tell you that I know of many preachers that are not anointed. Yet they have big churches, but they're not anointed of God. Because people love the world, and the world loves its own. That's what the Scriptures say. They flock to these people because it's one of their own. There's no change mentioned. There's no sin mentioned. There's no need to be saved mentioned. There's no hell and fire preached. The anointing makes you do that because the yoke has to be broken from the person's spiritual neck. And when you're a feels good preacher that just wants to be Pat everybody on the back and have a happy day. Listen, you're preaching to a lost congregation and you've got no anointing to break their yokes of bondage and they don't even know they're going to hell, but they're going to hell. It takes the anointing to break the yoke. And Jesus said, God has anointed me. Out of all of heaven, God picked me, His only Son to come down here and to do this for man and break the yoke of the devil. It was Jesus that broke the yoke. It was Jesus that took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. If it would have been Michael, the archangel, or Gabriel, the messenger angel, they could not have done it. It took God's Son. God picked Him and said, You're going to do it. And God gave him the power to do it. And here he comes. That's why we have got to live in the anointing. And the preaching has to be anointed. Because it breaks the yoke. It breaks the yoke. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. It's funny how congregations... Pick preachers. How do they look? How do they talk? Do they dress well? Do they have a good speaking voice? But it takes the anointing to break the yoke. What's the anointing doing? He said, I'm coming to preach the good news to the poor. To the poor? You mean only the poor people get to hear it? meaning destitute of the good news. The good news. What is the good news? That your Savior has come. That God wants to deliver you from this world and take you to heaven. That there is a message being preached and a person preaching it that you can believe in that will save you from your ruin that lies ahead. That's the good news. The good news is He didn't come to give you all the world's riches. He didn't come to deliver Israel from the hands of the Romans. He came to deliver Israel from a bigger enemy, the devil himself. One that not only had them captive in Israel, but one that also had them captive in the grave. I'll tell you, I'm glad that the grave can't hold me. That death does not have the power over me. Because through Christ, I am freed from it. My last breath here is my first breath there. The last thing I see here will be the first thing I see in heaven. Thanks to Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God. Who broke the devil's yoke. And let me tell you something. He's got a yoke for you, let me tell you. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. He's, Jesus isn't talking about jail cells. He isn't talking about people that's been in prison. He's talking about people that's been in spiritual prison. When you're in, when you're in the prison of the devil, when sin has you incarcerated, there is a way out. And the key to that prison cell is in Jesus Christ in his name and in faith in the only begotten Son of the living God. To be incarcerated by the devil means you're in prison. I've, I've told many people that in the course of this ministry that God's given me, you're imprisoned by the devil. No, I, want, I'm, I can do anything I want. I'm having fun. I'm going out and I'm getting drunk with my buddies and I'm going out and I'm having parties and I'm going out on my boat and I'm going out and doing this and I'm doing that. I'm free, man. I said, you're on a devil's highway, son. You are on the highway to hell and you don't know it. No, you're not. You're just in a jail cell. You're in prison. You just don't know it. You have handcuffs on your spiritual hands that you can't get off. You have handcuffs and you're tied up in your your prison cell and you don't even know it. You don't know what freedom is. I can tell you when I got saved, I experienced true freedom. A peace and a joy that I had never known before. A spiritual freedom that opened up true living. Everything that the world looks for in all of its fun and games is found in Jesus Christ and more abundantly if people would just give in. He said, i come to release these kind of captives, and we could go deeper in this, but I'm not going to do that. That the blind will see That the blind will see. It is the blind meaning people that can't see the spiritual truth that I'm speaking to you. There is people that just will not see it. They will not accept it. They will not see Christ as their personal Savior. They will not see into the next world. They're only limited to what is going on in their little teeny tiny world. And they will not look into the next And they do not consider the the blindness that's upon their eyes that Satan has put upon them to keep them from seeing the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And the need to be saved. Tom, it's, it's more than anything I've ever seen. People cannot see how filthy they are. You say, well, I took a bath today. I feel pretty good. We were just talking about that on the way here. Oh, goodness. I won't go there, Pat. (laughs) We were just talking about... We're not talking about taking a bath on the outward man. I'm talking about the inward you. The real you. How dirty. Filthy. Nasty. Spiritually unclean. You know that's one of the one of the descriptions in Galatians chapter five. Spiritually, just unclean. Not talking about your body, talking about your soul being dirty. Listen to this: the blind will finally see. It is an amazing thing when someone finally sees that they need to be saved. When, it doesn't mean you're bad. This isn't something saying, I'm a terrible person, I need to be saved. I thought being, being saved is for the criminally insane. No, it's for everyone. And it's a beautiful thing when eyes are opened and you can see. He says that the oppressed will be set free. Oppressed. What is oppression? what does it mean to be oppressed spiritually oppressed where you feel like you've got nowhere left to go where there's no hope where there's no joy where there is no peace where there is no life you just feel like every single day is a drag things are too terrible things are hard it just doesn't ever seem like anything's ever going to get any better and no matter what I do, I end up in this pit that I'm in. You're full of apathy. You feel like you're, you're apathetic. You're, 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 you feel like you, you can't move. Like you're stuck in a hole, in a ditch, and can't get out. You look at your life and you don't like what you see. You don't like where you're going. You don't like where you've been. You don't like what your name is, your reputation. You don't like it. Everything about your life says, man, you're terrible. Everything about what you've done says, man, I've done nothing. That is the devil talking to you. That is spiritual oppression. And Jesus said, I come to set those folks free. Because it's so important to free you from oppression because the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. What goes on in your mind is critical to how you live your life. If you're spiritually oppressed, you're going to be a hateful person most of the time. You're going to be a hard person to deal with. Because you're not happy with you, how can you be happy with anything else? Right? But when Christ comes into your heart, He gives you all kinds of reasons to be joyful and happy. Because you realize that this world does not hold the keys to your joy. that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And I'll end with this one. We could go much deeper. Favor meaning grace. Thank God for grace, and I'm not talking about some lady we've never met. I'm talking about grace that comes from God. Not judgment and the law. The time of God's favor has come. When you no longer have to serve the critical nature, the consequential nature of the law that says sin and you die today and we're going to execute you. No, it's where God issues to mankind an open arm. When Jesus said this in this church service, you have no idea, they had no idea what just happened. When he sat down in that seat and he looked at the crowd as I'm looking at you today, and he looked at them and he said, today in your hearing, these Scriptures are fulfilled. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through Him might be saved. John 3.17 God extends a compassionate hand with understanding and love for the poor lost sinner person who can't find their way, who are spiritually naked and blind, who are full of sin and full of terrible things, even the most wretched. He reaches out His hand To the most wretched murderer, even to a pedophile, even to a drunk, even to the most criminal, criminal mind, God says, I can save you. My grace is bigger than your sin. There is not a sin that can't be forgiven, other than the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And that's another sermon. You don't want to ever cross that line. That's another sermon. But God's grace is able to save you. And is able to forgive you. And is able to deliver you. And all the things that Jesus come to proclaim. They had no idea how lucky they were to have God come down, the second person in the Trinity, to sit right there in their chair in that synagogue in Nazareth that day and tell the people in your hearing today, I'm giving you favor. God's giving you favor. You feel like you've been mistreated? You feel like you're in a ditch? You feel like you're in a hole? You feel like you're oppressed? You feel like you need to be set free? You feel like God hasn't been moving lately? He's moving you're not seeing it. God never promised us a bed of roses, but He did promise He would walk with you through it. God never promised you that this is your best life now. Trust me, that is a false prophet's preaching. This is not your best life now. Your best life is to come. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be here. This world is full of heartaches of man of every kind. Of every kind. Stand with me. Come to this altar and have prayer. Kneel in the presence of God and let Him save you, let Him help you, let Him deliver you, let Him set you free, let Him free you from the oppression. God, in the name of Jesus.